Welcome to Rio Radio, part two with Stephen Ward, episode 68. You're listening to Rio Radio, the nationally trusted name in real estate investing. We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate. If you want to skip all the BS and get in investors' heads, you're in the right spot. Be one of the thousands to check out RioRadio.com. Are you super excited about this episode now? I'm excited. It is a great way to end a great week. Yes. And you get two doses. Count them. Two Two. doses of our podcast. You got to love that. Yeah. He puts out some uh, really amazing tips in here, some funny stories, interesting information. He's the historian. What can we say? And we did have to edit a little bit out. So he gave us a list of stuff that he didn't want on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In true politician form. True politician form. Yeah. Well, one fun thing that's come up lately is that we are preparing ourselves finally to do um, Zoom calls where we can do podcasts on Zoom, right? And it's not as easy as just calling somebody on Zoom if you want good sound quality. And so we, uh, after going to BP, uh, Denless is uh, making the move to make this so that we can be fully virtual and actually get some high-level national uh, people here on the podcast too. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, And this has been kind of in the plans for a long time. We wanted to make sure that we worked within our natural environment here of having local, and there's a ton of awesome real estate investors in the Omaha, Nebraska market, but you know, eventually we're going to, you know, want to branch out and and now we're, we're here. And like, it's it's getting hard, really hard to get the speakers on it is, locally. Yeah. Like it, like before, if somebody was like called in sick or had COVID or something happened, you know, we had twenty people would call them in there. But we've gone through all those twenty. Backups. Yeah, the list is the list is uh, dwindling a little bit. But uh, yeah, we've got some really. Oh man, you guys are gonna love the people that we've got lined up virtually. This is gonna be really cool. We've made some connections through the BPCon conference that we went to in San Diego and uh, Denless. Uh, the equipment he's gonna be, you know bringing in here is going to allow us to have kick-ass sound quality and still do things virtually. We, we got at least, what, 25 book authors, BP uh, presenters. presenters. presenters yeah. yeah, I mean, there there's some there's some exciting stuff coming soon. Yeah, and, and personally, I wanted us to wait until we were in the groove and kind of comfortable with conducting interviews and podcast interviews before we went virtual. So, we could have started virtual anytime. We could have started it after three months. What? Yes, <laughs> yes. We could have started it after three months. But I felt like we weren't at that point where we are now. Because both of you all do such a great job in con- in conversation with each other. And making the guest feel comfortable. That now I think is the right time for us to go uh, virtual. Well, I mean, it, we got a lot more credibility too with the fact that we got enough episodes out there. We've been doing this for almost two years now. Uh, one year. Well, we we crossed like one year and some months, but that's oh. not almost. Oh. <laughs> like next year, August is almost two years. So hey, Ted is a forward thinker. Forward okay, yeah, thinker. all right, yeah. Big yeah, picture yeah. here. Okay, sorry, so, my bad. So now that we've been podcasting for over a year, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've had Brandon Turner on, thanks to Megan Ahern. And I mean, and a lot of our local people are, I, I think we just have a, a huge amount of great talent up here. I would like to get to a point, though, personally, 
where we uh, revisit, you know, sprinkle in some of the people from our, our first 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and because our sound quality wasn't, wasn't amazing. And those people have gone and done a lot of things since then. I think that I agree. I think that uh, I would love to revisit those. We don't even have we don't have a lot of that footage anymore from the first ten in, anyway. Anyway, so right? let's not so, go down that road. So please. we so we got to we got to re, redo, redo those first ten. <laughs> hey, one thing too, if anybody out there is listening to this and they're thinking about something that would be a really phenomenal podcast guest, you know, obviously we we want people that have some real estate investing experience, but somebody that's got a really cool story. Maybe they've overcome some adversity and they're charismatic and just you know somebody that you you would. Th- think that our listeners would get some enjoyment out of uh, hearing, let us know about it. You know, respond in the show notes. Maybe, you know, just tell us who we should get on here. We're always looking for good Hit us guests. up on Instagram. That's right. Yeah, we're on R- Rio Radio is our Instagram handle. And definitely follow us there. But uh, get on there and send us messages if you do have any suggestions. That's right. So, well, before we move on to the podcast, can we get into today's golden, golden nugget? nugget? One golden nugget I got out of today's interview with Stephen, uh, just to throw it out there. And it, it's really kind of stuck with me ever since. He mainly works with commercial agents in his brokerage. Mm-hmm. And one thing that, you know, when you when you work with investors, they kind of give you the, what their buy box is and you create their search engines b- behind that. And then it sends out what comes out, you know, off the MLS or not. Or you might find something off market that, that hits you, right? Well, Stephen mentioned this. He said that when he works with a new client, he does a whole entire deep dive into them, figures out what exactly they're looking for. And then he puts all his resources behind just finding that deal. So if somebody was looking for a commercial or industrial property, instead of just sitting there and creating a search engine, search engines, and when it comes up, it comes up, they buy a list from list source. And then with that, he will go through and email or postcard or and call everybody that has the property that his client potentially would want to buy. Mm-hmm. And he knows what their their buy boxes and their criteria is, so he knows what they're going to, going to spend. So he's actually going out there and marketing for that specific deal, which is something that I've actually – you don't hear of anybody really doing. You no, know? you don't. You, you you look what's available online, but nobody's going out there and trying to prospect and, and, and get the off-market deal so he can get the dual agency and also get the property management out of it. I can't think of, in owning rental properties for 17 years now, I have never gotten anything from a broker that I can recall specifically talking about my you know particular properties. So I, I have gotten a million letters from investors and calls, but never anybody that's a that's a broker. I will get calls from broker that'll a broker that'll say, hey, you know what what is your I don't want to sell it number? Uh, if I had a buyer that was willing to pay that. And Steven does that too. He, mm-hmm. He's called me and it's worked. And I've, I've done that with uh, the clients I've worked with because I know that I've had people call me and like, oh, I know I sold this to somebody a while ago. Let me hint them up. That's why I've had certain properties I've been the agent on four or five times. And uh, and that works out really well. It's been really lucrative. But it was kind of like an aha moment for me with listening to that. Yeah. Yeah. He's got some good ideas. Well, without any further delay, let's bring in Steven Ward for part two. So you, yeah, like I, I love your model and what, what I want to, uh, ask you about is, and this ties into what, uh, Ted was talking about with the current state of the market. What do you feel about how things are going right now, uh, with interest rates going crazy in the last, you know, year or less than a year, but it's been like, it seems like 20 years worth of inflation we've had, um, how has that affected your business and what do you think is going to happen in maybe the next couple of years? And this, I, this is one of those questions that's like cringy because 
it doesn't age well generally if you're wrong. Yeah, right? yeah. And it's hard to predict, but yeah. I want to. I'm curious what you think about it because you're. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you, you spend a lot of time thinking about this kind of stuff. Like I'm one of those guys. I'm just I'm not afraid of being wrong. I'm not afraid to provide predictions. Uh, this question that's being asked just naturally brings out the most of my passion when we're talking about business. So, like, you're gonna have to stop me possibly if I go too deep. But you know, we we can agree that uh, you know primary yield for commercial real estate. I think the one's common uh, just for reviewing a property is capitalization rate. Yeah. Capitalization rate. You know, <laughs> we know the formula. You know, it's uh, you know it's NOI and uh, you know NOI NOI being purchase price. net operating income. Yep. Yep. And uh, you know the. And I had to stop because Owen and I actually were reviewing our first episode notes today, and we're like, and where we where we said specifically in our notes that we had to stop and describe every time we went over abbreviations, right? Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, acronyms. Like we wanted to elaborate on those, right? So, so going back to the first episode notes, yeah, yeah. So continue. Sorry. <laughs> so we we have you know general metrics, you know gross rent multiplier, um, you know, and 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 then you do GRM. Exactly. And then you get more detailed as you get into, you know, cash on cash, internal rate of return. Uh, well, I, I, I believe, you know, that, uh, you know, we're in a time where I mean, you look at the modern powers, you know, you get the Dutch, British, um, you know, U- United States, you know, pre post World War One. I. I don't I don't really think we've ever had a debt to GDP ratio that we've had, that we have currently um, really in, in, in modern history that we know of. I and mean, we haven't had this much debt, um, you know, since world, pre-World War II, World War II era. Um, and so with, with predictions that are laid out, to compare it to any of the last uh, six recessions, if we're going to call 2021, going back to 08, going back to 2000, you know, uh, 90, 82, 73. I mean, you can go back as far as you want, but I mean... Nobody's really been alive to really understand, I think, kind of what we're dealing with. And with, uh, you know, so there's there's a lot of interesting stuff about, you know, I don't know if you've been to the website, WTF um, happened in 1971.com. And well, I, mean, what's, I, I don't know what the abbreviation WTF is. I'm just joking. I, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Uh, the, the, you know, that's when that's when Nixon took us off the gold standard, and you know, we had a just a massive run up. I mean, you're essentially, your absorb your your affordability and inflation really just triggered like like it exponentially at that point. It's gotten worse since, and so right now we're in a place where you know we have the preceding 40 years going back to basically uh, late 1980s. Uh, um, which is like pretty much the last time Omaha's actually really went through a commercial recession, um, commercial real estate recession, is we we're at a place where inflation's running hot, and there are factors that are playing in inflation that the interest rate hiking. I I just don't know if it's really going to help. I I don't know how much you know escalating the ten year treasury is going to do for you the Ukraine invasion. How what it's going to do for. Uh, you know, like the uh, the the crisis, maybe on on natural gas or Europe. I mean, there's just all these factors, um, bottlenecks, labor issues. I mean, right? So um, there's been a lot of predictions out there, and a lot of this stuff you got to kind of take up for the status quo and the the you know you get an economist, you get a hedge fund manager, and they're they're saying something that they they want to trigger the market to do something to sway their benefit on their short or something. So I think I think we're we're most likely based off of CPI data, inflation. We're we're, at, we're running the inflation is the highest it's, it's ever been, and I I personally believe that they're going to have a really hard time hitting their two percent target. That's not like that's a general prediction, and uh, for this is 
before I was alive, but like generally, like let's go back 40 years and especially like on the last 20 something years, you capitalization rate, um, it wasn't really like like debt certain interest rates have been generally low and stable the last 40 years. It's just factual. Like they've, if you compare it to like 80 years, right? So uh, what we're now, I think, starting to understand is like, you know, market experts, brokers, you know, we're not lecturing investors per se, but we're just see. I'm seeing this play out and I'm involved in it is that uh, there's a direct correlation with real interest rates, um, availability for debt and cost of debt service with capitalization rate more than ever before, like or more than ever before going back, like prior to, you know, back to when inflation was running hot. So you have 40 years of QE and, and uh, you know, this, the, there's just all, there's money just coming into the market. There's the, the government is um, essentially artificially, um, you know, keeping inflation low. And, the, and you know, I think since the 70s, our economy really was focused to kind of make it based off of the consumer. But during that time, I mean, we, our country has, uh, we've manufactured less. Uh, we, we're, we're importers, we're not really exporters. And usually that means that, you know, there's, there's becoming a shift in world power, you know, currency changes and stuff like that. So I think it's v- plausible that the intention was to escalate inflation and I've been used to selling real estate um, with the understanding that capitalization rate or interest rates are just relatively low. So we're kind of really just looking at, um, you know, rent growth. And and now the tables have turned to the point where I think real interest rates pretty much run one-on-one, I mean, it's with capitalization rate. And you're seeing stronger, you're seeing higher capitalization rates for dispositions and it's been in a remarkable reverse in comparison to the year prior and uh you know as, as a result you know you're just fundamentally you're going to see higher cash on cash um because that's how it works i mean you you the dividend on a higher capitalization rate for cash on cash is is it's significantly it's just they don't run uniformly so um so what conversation are you having now that the market's definitely done a shift and with interest rates going up, but also you don't have to pay, you, have, you don't have to overpay for the properties like you once had. So, what conversations are you having with your clients and your and the people you do property management for right now? Yeah, so I mean, I think this current market, you know, it's it's very different from like the pandemic because the pandemic it was just very clear that they were going to hold up the system, inject cash. I mean, we're talking about like you know trillions of dollars, right? Like never, never before, right? And uh, it, it was it was it was like predictable that the uh, you know they were going to do everything they could. Where where today uh, it's like okay, well there's going to be pain and it's going to be real, and that's that. And uh, so the conversations you know they can be they can be difficult with investors that we were talking to two years ago that you know have a little bit more interest in selling now. I mean, it's just, it's just not quite the same price. And listen, it's, it's, it's also fairly relative to the ridiculous run up from the, you know, prior two years. I mean, it's, you're, we're talking about like, I mean, like just look at since like 2017, I mean, insanity growth, right. In Omaha. 
Um, and then, and then the last couple of years, I mean, again, so you've had these compressing cap rates and you've had these interest rates that have been kind of going down, trickling up. You remember, you remember the fed was starting to, you may remember the fed was increasing interest rates throughout through 2018. And by the time like October came around, we had a significant pullback in the market. I think, I think the, the Dow might've dropped like 19% or something, which is, which is pretty, pretty sizable drop. Uh, and then, you know, uh, things started to reverse course and they were just quickly, Loosening again, ten years back down to almost zero. So uh, I, I think why it's a little different now is because, um, like I said, I mean the debt is just it's very high, um, and I think it's just kind of ignorant just to compare it to like, oh, I think we're going into the seventies stage of you know just a terrible market like stag like it's just stagflation. Be, yeah, like, like people want to label stuff. Yeah, it's just boring this is market. Just like X Y Z. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 86 period. Oh, and, I've been through OA, right? Yeah. Like, that's what they say. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's not, it's not the same. It's right. not the same at all. Like there's never been a period like this in us history. So yeah. Predicting what's going to happen is, I mean, that's a fool's game, but it's what one we try to get you to do. Well, I mean, and we appreciate it. Well, I mean, so <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, I think real estate, you know, it's principally, I mean, it's, I, I I've always, you know, I've, I've really appreciated it. I'm, 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 I guess you could say uh, I have a bias for being passionate about it and being a believer in it. Um, you know, I, I I I like the fact that like you can really be in control of stuff and you can make adjustments and and and, and make changes. And I, I think it's I'm not afraid of like a, a market shift and change. You know, um, but all of these assets, I mean, the hard assets, the the equities. I mean, there's there's a there's a clear understanding that like the vast majority of types of investments have been in decline during 2022. I mean, even gold, right? And, uh, you know, bonds, not, you know, I mean, this is like the first time I think like, like modern histories, World War II, where like bonds weren't giving you the return when it was expected there was a decline in, you know, these other equities. So, you know, real estate's great. You know, you have cash flows, you have, uh, you know, the, but I, I think I think the realistic um, fact is, is you know, j- just you know, a year ago, you know, I think the United States' largest hedge fund, um, known as uh, Bridgewater Associates, I think uh, it's Ray Dalio, who I, I I think is awesome. He's he's kind of like a a Warren Buffett, you'd say. Uh, he you know he said something like the effect of like cash is trash, right? And it's like it's just wild because I think all of us were not predicting the Fed to follow through with the rate hikes, and they have. And uh, I, I don't. I mean, at the time of this recording, we went up another three quarters of a percent yesterday. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, I don't. I don't think we're. I'm not saying this to be optimistic. I'm saying this like literally. I don't. I don't think we're we're spelling doom and gloom, but I I do think that uh, you know it's it's going to be hard to imagine that they're going to be just burning interest rates you know, down quickly. If, if 2% really is the target, I mean, like that, that just doesn't seem like, you know, we, I mean, obviously you got to export more, you have to export more oil. We, we need to work on energy, you know, work maybe on nuclear stuff, you know, with real estate, obviously you guys know that some of the big capital inflows is going into, you know, the ESG slash, you know, like reducing carbon footprint type stuff. I mean, you kind of, you're kind of like, regardless of how you feel about it and like whether it's politicized and how you feel about BlackRock, you know, influencing how everything works. <laughs> like the, uh, you're going to get left behind, I think, well, with speaking- not, not, not understanding that and wanting to kind of understand it and 
be, be involved. Speaking of left behind, you don't necessarily invest solely in real estate. Can you yeah. can you give us an overview of what your portfolio looks like today, like real estate and non-real estate? Of course. And where your focus is? Certainly. So, um, I mean, I, I'm going to draw just what most likely might be a silly analogy because I'm telling you it now live versus like thinking about this. But I do it all the time. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Let's just say I'm a pharmacist, okay, and I'm 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 giving out the prescriptions. I'm answering questions about them, and I'm actually a full fledged expert on this. I mean, I should be. I need to understand the molecular, the the, the, the all the side of like you know these are things that I need to know for many different reasons. You care about the people coming through the drive through. I mean, you should. You, you your liability reasons. You know your your job. Uh, well. Obviously, it doesn't mean they're taking all those drugs, right? Um, Might and, be investing in the stock, though. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> and and I, I think, like, I mean, most customers at Walgreens probably aren't expecting them to, like, know what their personal interaction was. Well, here's where how it kind of compares to real estate. is like I, I feel like I'm a dealer, you know, of, of property, mm-hmm. expert of selling property operations. Also, I have an interesting – or more unique approach because I, I've, I've managed these properties. Like I know the hour I'm, I'm, I know ex- what you're selling. Yeah. And I'm excited about like, since I'm in multiple markets, like I'm getting really familiar with like the labor market and the price, like what, like what a contract, uh, a 1099, like basically maintenance guy is expecting to get paid. Like I know what, uh, the costs of, uh, you know, like plumbing different. I mean, you, you like learn this stuff. I know the access to good property management companies in some markets and, and some ones that, and then, and then also which ones, which markets are, are just a little bit more impacted by the cycles of the economic system where, you know, we always think that Omaha is insulated. Well, I mean, it, it is, but I mean, a lot of the Midwest is, you know, it's pretty stable. It's pretty strong. It's just, it's, it's good. So, um, I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy underwriting properties. I'm okay with this shift occurring. Um, I, I feel, I feel grateful to be in a position where, I mean, it's kind of like this, usually you read about history in books, right? Like, um, world power changes. You, you know, said you don't read books so. You're right. Like usually most, maybe listeners that read books, read about certain, we are witnessing, um, the, de- the you know the decline in kind of humanity for the short t- short term that could potentially lead to a you know a, a world war change you know like a this, world war what we're are, dealing with right now will yeah. be in history books of course yeah and and like it's it's a great. pivotal moment yep and and I to just to be clear um, I I enjoy like going to like U.S. Bureau of like statistics and like St. Louis like Fed. Of course, you do. like Fred. Like I, I enjoy, like <laughs> I enjoy some stuff that's just like wouldn't you wouldn't have thought that the kid that was smoking weed and playing football in high school and like playing, you know, like Counter Strike. Any of these listeners know what that is or, or whatever. Like would have been doing right. Like I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm also generally just optimistic because I, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm blessed beyond belief, blessed beyond measure. I, I. I absolutely believe that if, you know, I, I go through hard times, I hustle love my wife and I, I, I believe, you know, you can always rebuild if you have your health and you're, you know, you're good to people. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think there's opportunities that are coming up too. And I mean that sincerely, I'm, I'm currently seeing them, uh, and they're not like 
they don't just make your eyes pop out and like you're like oh my god this is terrible it's more like it's more like okay there's like better deals now than there were before and it's especially the case in commercial real estate versus residential because there are many owner operators family offices that just you know they're already were close to kind of that site that period of the, where they're going to hold in, in this position and those properties are 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 they're 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 kind of discounted and the cash on cash is going to be better and i i think like i think um it's a it's a, even a better time if you can buy something obviously that has some some rent growth opportunity you know so steven you're you're, you're a great politician but you haven't answered the question yet i'm sorry you know of what your portfolio looks like today oh, and, and, and what you're investing in ah oh, forgive me so uh <laughs> yeah i was i was basically saying that like uh you know i'm not i'm, I, I'm not trying to be Come like my investor's com- competitor. Yeah. I, I, I'm very busy selling real estate and managing real estate. I genuinely don't think I would be as good of an operator. But you have investments. Yes, I do. You invest in what? So I have some limited interest, you know, stakes that I've used commission to go into some multifamily properties that have kind of been more about like, listen, I, I, a money, I, a money I, investor. I, I, listen, I believe in this. Yeah. Like I'm willing to show that I believe in this. Just so you know, I mean, I won't, it's not the tax basis isn't quite the same going to be going into it, you know, with the adjustment of, you know, some of the, the, the um, ownership. Uh, but I'm, I would say if I'm like literally making investments, they're generally higher risk than real estate. And they, I feel like the returns are, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're stocks. Crypto. My wife stay at home, so she kind of needs something to do. So I, I typically I give, you know, she, she, she. It's our, it's our, you know, it's, it's, it's. She will deploy um, extra cash towards investments and stuff. And I, I do have some single family homes. So okay, so I'm reading between the lines here. Single family homes. Yep. You sounds like you have some investments in some multifamily, maybe. Right. And and then you possibly have some Bitcoin or crypto or something. Correct. Am I am I am I hearing that right? Yeah. I mean, I I could I could certainly do. <laughs> Three podcasts on cryptocurrency. What's your and is that crypto keeping up with the change of the market yeah, I right mean, now? It's, I, I think it's. I think. I think uh, the you know the imminent regulation that will probably take place after midterms is going to lay up some buying opportunities that I hope that I'm very well positioned for. Um, I th- I believe that uh, if you can just you know sit back and realize that cryptocurrency is much, you know, you know, alternative to Bitcoin. It's, you know, there's, these are software companies. These are, these are companies that are going to really define the way of things just basically circulating through space and um, communication and data encryption in the future. And it's okay to avoid it and not think about it. It's, it's also, I don't, I'm not insecure about telling my real estate investors that I'm reliant on. I mean, they're they're like my primary, like they make me money because they're exercising in real estate investments. I have no problem telling them about what I do. Not much any different than um, telling one of my investors, hey, it's now clear that this property that you're going to acquire has issue with its rental certificate and uh, it has immense amount of code violations. I was really counting on you buying this, but you just need to get out. So Owen's got a million dollars right now, and he wants to invest in you. And he's like, hey, let's partner in something. What's the one thing that you're going to put money into today? Well, that question's uh, not sure why it's my money and not yours, but whatever. You you have a million dollars. I don't. (laughs) So so 
I know enough about Owen where I feel like I can make the fair assumption that he's, uh, you know, he's got a, most of his holdings are in real estate property. Where does Stephen Ward like to invest his money if he had a million dollars today? Well, <laughs> that, is that's a, man. that's a different answer. So, okay, so, where's so Ward uh, a million bucks today? you know, there'd be a small portion in gold, Okay, you know, uh, there'd be a smaller, smaller portion in silver. Okay. Uh, there'd be investments in, uh, you know some precious metals uh like i mentioned but also like the uh per- physically purchasing like, or just the stock side of it uh so actually no like so i'm now i'm kind of getting into like stock companies that are like you know the metals that are refined for uh you know like batteries and and evs yeah. and renewable energies and um recycling you know like stuff that's just uh, maybe a little bit more environmentally uh fit i, I also think that there's opportunities the trendy items right now yeah tr- trendy but also like uh you know they have their share of risk. Obviously, it's pretty important. Clearly, that oil is still important, and you know I, I think I've read multiple places that you know ninety seven percent of the vehicles throughout the world are still running on fossil fuels. Would so. you would you invest in crypto right now? Uh, of course. Yeah, you yeah. would. Yeah, I mean, when I say invest, that means like, would I be making uh, like me personally? Am I making uh, you know dollar cost averaging based off of prior investments I made that were at higher prices last year. Yes. But putting my entire nest egg, absolutely not. I think it's a pretty good time to, uh, to, to, to be making some purchases on stuff that, you know, is on sale. All right, Steven, here's a question for you. So you're a man of faith. Is that, that's true. Correct. Of course, yes. Yeah. And, uh, well you say, of course, but not everybody is. Uh, yes. I mean, I just am very proud. Yeah. Yeah. And now one one thing we always like to talk about in this episode is so kind of your your overall overarching why in this business seems like you have gone through some you know trials and tribulations early on you started out as a, a personal trainer which was which was a great entree you met somebody pretty cool that sounded like it introduced you to real estate and you got into the the business you started doing some pretty cool stuff that not a lot of uh, commercial brokerages do hired your dad hired your brother uh, you've kind of formed a pretty like cool niche in this in this business you got five more siblings to hire by the way yeah you have uh, <laughs> yeah you've got so you're one of six right four so, more siblings, four uh, more siblings. yes correct 16 yeah, percent uh so <laughs> 32 of them working in it <laughs> yeah like over the next uh let's say you know few years, what do you anticipate based on your um, prediction of the market like you just gave and uh, what you're currently doing? What do you see happening for your business in the next, uh, you know, upcoming years? Of course. So I'm answering the question on the why as it relates to, you know, what drives me and my passions. And then I'm answering um, just some some predictions on where I think my business is going, could, which could be maybe a reflection of where the market's going. So uh you know, I, I guess the maybe best way to answer it is, you know, I, I give thanks daily and sometimes more than ha- one time a day to just thank, f- thankful. I'm thankful to be created, thankful to be alive. I'm thankful that my mom, you know, carried me and raised me. My dad took care of my mom, took care of me. I'm thankful for my talents. Um, we like, there's just silly things about me. Like, I, I just don't really care about like, you know, a speech impediment I had until I was in fourth grade or that, you know, I, I, when I was new high school, I mean, I was one of the very few of a class of 500 that I'm pretty sure had to stay a few more days to make sure they graduate. I'm just not afraid of telling people that I'm not afraid of telling people that I've, you know, I've, 
I'm, uh, you know, I've, 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 I've had some trials, but truthfully, I'm, I'm ex- just extremely thankful. I'm extremely thankful. So I'm, I'm really thankful for my dad. I, you know, like I, I want to give him a better life. I'm extremely thankful for my mom. I want to, I want to bless her. Right. Uh, you know, I, I've been through relationships before where I wasn't the best guy to a woman. I, I didn't bring the best out of them. I don't think they did either. And I learned from that, you know, and uh, God's given me chances just like my parents have second chances, many chances my wife has. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. So I'm, I'm, I'm essentially uh, my ultimate mission is to live a more faithful life. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy, you know, a gin and tonic you know, old, old or, fashioned, old fashioned. Yes, yeah. yes, a cigar, and you know, I, I don't. You're a cigar guy. It's where do you smoke at usually? So, uh, gosh. oh, here we go. <laughs> I mean, this I, just took a, a turn for the worse. So I, I was at I was at Havana's Garage after the last Omaha real estate meetup, which you yeah. mentioned. I was I was at, uh, and then two weeks ago, which is, you know, it's not really my spot, but uh, you know, I was I went to uh, that place out west. So, That's Copa Campana. Copa, yeah. Yeah, and they play country. It's just not really my thing. And West Omaha is just, you know. It's just I, I'm at Safari probably three times a week. So if you want to meet there sometime, <laughs> let me know. I will. I definitely will. I, I got a cigar locker there. I got your cigar. To be honest with you, I, I really enjoy cigars. I do too. Yeah. Uh, so my, my it's, a, it's a good bonding man thing, boys. Just so you guys know, it's it brings brings men together. You talk. You, it takes two hours to smoke a cigar, and you just sit there and you just kind of. Can't breathe. Shoot, shoot the thing. Why my wife I can't puts, breathe? That's the thing. Like it's cigars, it's so hard to breathe. You don't, you don't inhale them. No, that's I'm talking have, about. I'm talking about the smoke. I, that's because you have COVID. Well, you know, <laughs> Shut up. The Jamaicans are <laughs> the, the Jamaicans are so used to inhaling that the cigar. I am, I am Trinidadian idiot. Oh, sorry. I'm, 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 the, the Trinidadians are so used to inhaling those cigars. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I was gonna say, my my wife cannot smoke me. By the way, on cigars, you know, this is the truth. But, my wife uh, cannot uh, smoke, but she will join me. Uh, she she yeah, perfect uh, yeah but I, I I guess like you know I had fairly humble beginnings but extremely fortunate beginnings in a country such as the United States of America which I'm extremely proud of. you know even put, even in times does, where does you know, that put that perspective though that your wife is foreign of course yeah I I, I really I'm really happy that I'm with someone that came from beginnings that were even more humble and her parents went through just a, her mom went through just a, I mean her mom was selling bread at age like four on the streets at 5 a.m then helping cook breakfast then helping with the babies and then going to school and then cooking I mean my wife my wife uh my wife was you know born in West Africa which you know by the way I've been to been to Africa four times in the last three I mean it's just great um I do kind of consider myself an African man uh, I love it. Like I, I'm super proud of it. I, I, I love culture. Before I met my wife, Dennis is like just giving before, the head bob over there. Before I met my wife, I had. Are you agreeing with him or giving him a hard time, Dennis? No, 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 no. no. I'm yeah. a, I am. I am totally agreeing with yeah. him. Africa is not is is much more than appearance. It's more is more of in here. It really is. He's pointing, I, he's pointing to his heart. Yeah. yeah sorry. Oh, yeah. 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 It's great. So I, I'm not giving you a hard time. I just saw Dennis reacting there. We had to get his feedback on it. I, you know, I've always been really interested in multicultural people from. I, I had friends that are from, you know, uh, India, Iraq, Turkey. Uh, uh, you know, like many different countries before my, I met my wife. It's my, always been a because there's a, there's a common belief in like family 
and uh, working hard and hustling. And I happen to be someone that could relate to that. You know, it just relates to watching my dad hustle and you know give us a very uh, great life, but not. Uh, you know, because he made a lot of money. Like he, I was on reduced school lunches, you know, but I, but I, you know, I went to a, a, a good public school in Omaha. I, 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 it was, it took some time to get some new cleats, you know, like it took some time to get a new pair of shoes. Like I, I wanted a electric scooter, a gas powered scooter, a bike, like my whole childhood. And I just dreamed of it. And I, I never got it. I mean, like, it's, it's like, it's like, uh, and that's like, sounds just so silly because it's like, oh, wow, listen to this American. He just, he didn't get his ATV. And it's like, well, uh, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm just happy that I didn't grow up in a, in a different environment where things were, um, you know, much easier and just relaxed. Like I, 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 I feel like if I didn't work hard and my mind wasn't busy and I didn't have some pressure, I, I don't know if I'd be making as good decisions. I'd have more distractions. You and I have so many similarities in our lives, but um, <laughs> a couple things that stood out is, uh, you know, my mom was born in Brazil. And so, you wow. know, so I, I do feel that heritage there, even though I've only been there once, you know what I mean? Just be, just, just to the family. It's awesome. And uh, you mentioned a scooter thing. When I was, uh, when I was 13, I was once to this place and it was like a Lancer sports store that was uh, off 120th and I street. And they had a battery-operated scooter there, and I thought it was just the coolest thing. So at one point, I took all these coins I saved up and all this money I saved up over like a year and a half, and I cashed in, and I brought like $120 in for a, a layaway on this electric scooter that I wanted because I just thought that would be the, you know, the king, the king shit, you know, to have this, you know. And after six months, I just saved every set, and I kept on digging through all the couch cushions and, and everything I could to get money. And I, and I said, I was like 13, 14 years old and uh, actually lost all my money in that layaway because I couldn't pay it off in the six months. And I couldn't get that scooter that I really wanted. Yeah. Was this like a rascal that senior citizens... Uh, <laughs> I mean, like you're, you're talking about 19, 13. Yeah, 19, you're, this 19, is a while back. 90, like, what kind 90, of scooter are we talking about? It was like 1993, 94. It was like a traditional scooter and it had a, it had a motor on it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And I don't know, it could have been gas or battery. I don't even remember at this point anymore. Probably gas. But it was just like something I wanted. And I, and I, and it, and you said that story and it, I, all of a sudden all these memories flash back of that. Oh, yeah. And I remember my parents trying to go and fighting for that money and we just couldn't get it done. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah. It, but I, I feel you. And it, and it just, it's just weird how I can relate with you on that because, uh, it's just like you, that need that you have to try to, like, you know, you're trying. You're, you're you're coming from lower, and you're trying to one up because you're in a situation where you feel like you got to be something better. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I listen. I, I grew up with a pastime of liking, you know, loving to catch bullfrogs, some catfish, and playing backyard football on, uh, you know, uh, you know, the grass that has, you know, the irrigate the what is it called, the aeration grass. You know how it's like rough, and you got it pulls out some of the dirt when it areas. I mean, like, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for those times and I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the life that I'm living, but I'm also, I'm definitely my, my, my pro forma for my life as a man is I want to aspire to be more. And so one thing that I, one of the big things that I've done uh, in the last like four years is I started to um, tithe. 
mm-hmm. at church. Just give them 10% of your income? Yeah, I, I think there's, you know. That's what tithing means. Right. There's yeah. different interpretations of, you know, the Old Testament was like 10%. Now it's just give with your heart. New Testament. I mean, I, I personally feel like, you know, I mean, it's 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 important. And I feel like God blesses me as a result. And, uh, you know, I listen, uh Christian. I think it's refreshing to hear that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and I, I th- thanks, and I, I might like your spiritual relationship with with God. Uh, let's just say it's for the weak and the the people that I just you know they want to like act like they want to do better because they you know have like mental problems or they're just like they're weak or I, I don't know whatever the whatever that the 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 outside kind of um, opposite viewpoint is like I am I am not responsible without discipline and some fear of my actions and like so so you know uh you know i i've i don't have a love or like for material like i once did when i was you know first making you know quarter million dollars when i was 23 i mean i just don't have like you know i used i used to really care about the vehicles i drove and um you did pull a pretty sick car that's my wife yeah and I, I do enjoy driving. I didn't. I mean, I, just, I she has to have that. I'm a car guy, but these guys aren't. I, so like, yeah. buying stuff for your wife is kind of it's a little different because like you kind of like, like you just you know they just kind of you want to. Okay, I want to ask you something. So you've been you've been doing property management now for four or five years, yeah. Yep. In the those four or five years, you or your people that work for you have probably seen some stuff. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Yes, it is. Can you think of any crazy or really odd situations that you've been in that might be entertaining? Dead to, bodies, to tell about? especially would be. I don't yeah, know what like, Ted's kind of like Dahmer with this. Uh, I'm just waiting for some good. De- we had one great dead body story, and I just I'm waiting for another one. I mean, okay, so I could share just like very short, couple second descriptions Ooh. of. Of of multiple. And That's then, all we have and left. You, so you might ahead. you might just <laughs> you might just choose to which one you want me to just maybe possibly, uh, and and I might feel comfortable on some describing more than others. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, cars that are crashed into a multifamily building. There's blood all over the car, on the stairs, in the hallways, up to the well, apartment. Wasn't your people though, right? The, the, that was a tenant. Oh, really? A, a non-resident. Yeah, okay. a tenant's. Uh, you know, friend. So you were managing a property in that that got crashed into by a car. Somebody yeah. obviously got purposely hurt or, hurt or died. I, I don't think so. I'm guessing he was probably you know under the influence and well, he was shot victim, shot, shot or uh, gunshot victim. So it's just all over the news. Uh, the same property. Yeah, properties you managing here, buddy? Yeah, here, the same property. Here comes another story. Was this one in Ralston? Uh, I you, I'd prefer not to disclose the location. Oh, with Dasher's place. I might I might have to. I, I haven't had any of those. I might be trying to sell it to Owen in a couple months. Yeah. Uh, so, but to continue, like same property, uh, you know, uh, you know, like the it's pretty weird, but uh, this uh, girl, this tenant had gotten out of her car and she was you know going from her car to the door and like mid distance, Pat, like you know, she just. She's halfway there. She had, you know, relieved her bladder in the parking lot. Happens. Like, but with pants. Yeah. The, uh, I'm almost done with this property. I, I saw a rap video. Uh, like, there was this <laughs> Facebook video shared with me. And uh, 
And it's really weird. Can because, we link this in the show no, notes? No, it, gets, it, gets re- it gets really, really, it gets really weird, okay? This is like an Omaha rapper, and this the, the Facebook was shared with me. And uh, there was ten at our property, and they were just doing a lot of illicit, illegal, and inappropriate things in the video. Oh, it was a music video. But it was just very, it was just very bad. Okay, just... all right, we'll link to that in the show notes. Sounds awesome. All right, Stephen, this has been a lot of fun hearing about your story. Uh, we have a section in this episode that we lovingly call "Failing Forward." Wow. That was amazing. Long. It's amazing. We <laughs> we like to talk about a specific thing. What happened? What did you learn from business it? lesson or property? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So or life. Life lesson. Whatever. We for don't. sure. Um, so I would say if you know, like you when you're underwriting a property, you want to be, you know, detail centric and make sure you have uh, you know things understood, whether whether you're gonna be managing it or you're not gonna be managing it, you know, you want uh you want it to be a successful investment. Uh, there's, I can think of one instance where, uh, the, uh, this, the, there was a operational expense, um, multiple expenses, ground maintenance was being assumed specific, you know, snow removal and lawn care. And for this specific property, uh, you know, the, the rates were like, they seemed pretty competitive and they were, they were just good pricing. And I just guess there wasn't really a lot of due diligence on like, maybe what, like, the cost would have been if uh, the the supposed contractor that was you know doing it was supposed to be assumed, but then for some god forbid reason like it didn't work out. So that transaction, there was actually communication with the contractor that was going to be doing the long term summer removal. He said he was going to take it over. The owner said he was going to take it over. And uh, you know by the time you know shortly after the acquisition took place, that contractor informed me that he wasn't going to be assuming those services, and I didn't have backup bids. I didn't. I didn't do. I didn't put enough focus in that. And, um, it, it made it challenging for me to, uh, do what I'm used to doing. And that's like, you know, put forth, like, you know, um, set the bar high on projections. And usually when you set up heart high enough, really kind of anything in life and you, you get close or like you do pretty damn, I mean, if it's set high enough, I mean, even though maybe you're not like super happy with performance, the investors like I mean they're they're like well, I mean that's it's pretty good. Thought you were crazy. Well, in this case, you know it was it was, it was challenging because that operate those operational expenses um, really impacted the income expense ratio and obviously therefore which is budget. a big multiplier when you factor in the net operating income, the cap rate, and all that. So, yeah, it right? can it can be like like so snow like so we estimate. We, I have ways of just like I'm going to estimate like a unit turn and the price per foot on LVP labor, whether it's a glue down or LVP snap or something specific like hours for a plumber to, you know, install a new water heater and have an idea. Like the summer of lawn care, when it's like you have flat like lawn and you kind of have a rough idea of the, you can measure the perimeter of the, the literally the space they're going to measure. You can, you can usually just kind of have a good feel of like what that expense is going to be based off the size of the grass, depending on the market, snow removal. Like so, I'm going to underwrite snow removal expense in Omaha, and the the amount of inches and the the, the snowfall differently for like Omaha versus like Oklahoma City. Okay, they're just not they're not the same. Like you you're gonna get you're gonna get less snow in, in Wichita, Kansas, just like you're you're obviously gonna get less snow in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So uh, well, I would hope so. You, maybe not, right? So the uh, but Texas could happen anytime. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so we 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 project these operational expenses and 
I would just say that was a learning experience for me. Um, you know, if you're making projections on operational expenses, and even if you have a confirmation on something, like it, it does not hurt to do things such as check the 12-month averages on utilities. Don't assume the owner's operating statement. Ask for ask for ledgers. Don't just rely on a uh, on an operating statement that's like not cash accrual basis, which is really common in like smaller properties that are owner managed. I mean, they they'll sometimes put forth like a you know yellow notepad with like numbers, right? And so you just you just gotta be careful. And like, I mean, listen, like usually like an appraiser is gonna have like your back, like they're gonna be they're gonna care about the performance. The bank cares, like they're, they're gonna have some idea how this thing's gonna perform. But still. If you set your, if you put yourself on a pedestal of trust and you've sold an investor multiple properties or you've done this and that, it, you know things can just you 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 want to be careful because you know you don't want to overlook something because you know you're you're busy and and you you're just going to assume that the contractor is going to follow through or something you know so that wasn't like a catastrophe but that's just something that I could think of that like was a learning lesson I, I would have done it a little differently I would have gotten multiple lawn care bids and that's that's really like so when we're unless there's a third-party management like so if there's a third-party management company being assumed that's going to be the third party or it's the owner i want to see their budget i want to compare their budget to my you know my uh projections if if we're going to be managing it like we're getting bids and we're doing research and we're, we're taking it seriously so i used to not really want to pick up you know property management business because you know it's really just associated kind of with the sale today we're we're very much like you know, we're 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 looking to grow our property management portfolio. I, I do enjoy the grow from what? Where are you guys at now? Yeah, we're I mean, we're under three hundred units. Mm-hmm. Um, all and, all you know, multifamily? No, so uh, s- single family homes, duplexes. The 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 size of the, it, it spreads. It, it changes like the the amount of units. I mean, well, you know, we've we've been we've been let go before. Do you we've been t- hired? We've been we've had all our experiences. It's what we differences. Yeah, if it's some like for instance, my little brother. When you have family. Especially in your protectionary, you're just naturally a little bit more. If you, you know, you're just a little bit more like protectionary. Like you, you know, you, you take offense a little bit more if someone's like really bad mouthing your the guy that's kind of running things. Probably so, management. Yeah, difficult. it's it's it can be you know it can be tough, but I mean for the most it's part, a, things it's go a thankless for, job. Totally, and and the, for the most part, our investors are 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 are, are happy. So tell me real quick. Okay, so you managed three and some units. Where do you guys think you'll be in five years? Are you mainly still kind of the same mix you have now, or do you think you can move? Mainly in a commercial. Um, how many units do you think your company will be at? So I would say rather than just units, I would say are the 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 amenities, the star rating, the age, the vintage of the properties will change, which means that they're going to become newer. More B A units. More more B for sure. Yeah, because okay. we're we're just like some of those the, the the stories I said that were like awkward about like you know what we've came across. Those things t- tend to you have less of those and in, in, in some of these other lo- and like some of the higher star rating like locations with maybe better schools and and the, the, the newer properties that are just you know just different and they're easier and a lot maintenance wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think I think the quality of our portfolio for third party will will improve and I I, I don't really see us probably go, you know going higher than eight hundred. Um, to go along with that question, also, where will you like? How many units do you are you invested in right now? Like you, you, I know you're in like syndications, whatever not, but how many units are you invested in personally? Yeah, so three single families and then a total and multifamily, just with you know, like limited partner stakes. Yeah. It's uh, sixty six. Okay, where do you think that will that grow in the next five years? Do you think you'll expand that that part of your business? Well, I think it's kind of being forced to because of just the, um, you know, I mean, this is kind of detail centric, but because of, you know, income, uh, less opportunity for, you know, 
things like uh, accelerated depreciation to offset your, you know, your your net income and stuff. It, it's it's getting harder for that. I mean, like we're we're very effective on the brokerage division without ex- hiring marketing companies. Like we, like literally for our marketing solicitation, like I literally do the mail merge printout. Like, I, what's that? What's that mean? Mail merge printout. Like we're doing, uh, we're doing like a, so we're extracting data from a. From a county, right, or or from uh, listsource.com or from Crexy, okay, you know, and and we're we're what are you seeking? Uh, we're property details that match with movers and shaker investors, you know, buyers, can you, real can you buyers. Give us an idea what that would be. Yeah, so uh, we might have a big investor where suddenly they're not really looking at stuff that's let's just say under fifty thousand square foot for industrial, and they are pretty much capping the older the 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 the, the, the year build at maybe like at the oldest nineteen ninety. So we are um, and they, and they also really like owner users. So we will we will we know the markets that are interested in. We know the type of property. We will solicit fine tune specific properties, and and we'll 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 make connections. So this is different than uh, I mean because I'm in the in the same field as you. I don't do a lot of uh, the commercial that you do. I uh, but I do, I'm in the multifamily. But you will specifically get a client in and pull a list source based on what they're seeking. Oh yeah, and then and then go shop the heck out of it until you fill that need. So it's not like you're just taking the, like you're not you don't have a pool of two three hundred clients or just you where you have a vague look of where they're looking. You're really specifying in like okay, this is your need. I'm going to put all my resources into finding this need right now. Is that yeah, is that safe? It's, it's it's extremely comparable. Yes, and it's so extremely I, comparable to going to door to door in Stone Creek and how, how for for Doctor Brown for his west facing walkout range. Okay, so how many agents, how many agents do you have in your brokerage? Uh, so we have. Uh, Four. Okay, and and then and how many people are you do you, would you think that you're currently doing that exact model for? Uh, how many investors right now are you, okay? So are you doing these deep dive uh, so, uh, list source and then mailers too? So there's been a shift in the market, yes. um, and and we've we've vetted buyers that are, um, I would, I would you're I mean we were we're thinking about guys like you, okay, uh, but we have. Specifically, two pretty heavy hitter multifamily investors and one heavy hitting industrial investor that have showed proof that they're acquiring property and they know they 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 know what they're going to pay for capitalization rate and they know the property they want the most. They 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 give us a direct feed on this is the specific asset in this quarter, this moment of time that we have the most. Uh, the, our capital is the most hungry for, and it and it changes somewhat because for many different reasons. But you know, we have well, that industrial investor that I referenced. They're all about mergers and acquisitions, sale leasebacks, uh, stuff that's you know it's pretty. And you know, we have some background on that too. I've sold some businesses, uh, mostly like intangible asset based, not not physical. But like the like the the why we why we're like we've had investors that have also kind of. They're they're downshifting. They're 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 shifting their focus f- to another asset, or they're just they're just you know they're they're piling uh, you know dry powder or whatever. So, Mister Investor comes to you and he's like he's like I want this industrial, which is a very specific but also very difficult thing to find in this area. Are you going to charge him a fee at all for this upfront money you're going to invest in this search? So just as just like we're not going to re- pursue a listing agreement, you know. Like with, a, with just a, an owner that has a property that they want to consider selling, we're usually actually like very upfront about who we're sharing it with. We don't we don't really care. Like we have relationships with these guys that, 
usually like if we already have a relationship with them, like we, we tr- we, they trust us, we trust them. If it's someone that's new, a lot of times like their attorney is requiring some kind of – like I have this confidentiality agreement right now that says – states something to the effect that if you, if you share this property with any other investor, you are um, um, subject to um, damages of $100,000 per – proof you know but buyer yeah, you know i've seen those we have uh but on the buy side we don't do like uh whatever you, i can't even think what it's called like the buyer agency yeah like, you yeah you, no you yeah. don't worry about that but but i mean but you're you i mean you're putting a substantial amount of investment into these specific searches if it was a new client not not somebody that was reputable with you already would you seek fees for for these services uh, and then and then maybe pay it back out of commission when the sale happens. So naturally, my conversion rate of the hours that I work in brokerage, the div, the 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 pay on hours of investment has went up over time because I've become more knowledgeable and educated. But a lot of it also has to do with just fine tuning the people that I'm working with. So in the residential game, if I was going to go back and just think about how I would do it, you know, we are if if it, if it's challenging what they're kind of looking for, and they're going to be and they're we're kind of just. No matter what, we're showing them publicly listed properties as their buyer's agent, right? Like we are, we are absolutely vetting them if we want to really pursue a relationship with them. And and because we we in commercial real estate, it's 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 similar, but I feel like it's even it's there's less risk of your time because you you like I, I don't know how to explain it. Like they don't just usually suddenly you know, have a tax lien, they can't, their DTI no like qualifies or they, they, uh, they're, oh, we're going to pull out and just renovate our kitchen or something. Like we don't have that really in commercial. It's kind of more based off of like, can you match up personalities, a motivated seller and a motivated buyer? And can we make the numbers work? And well, do we, we, we all want to do the deal? Well, yeah. the reason I bring this up and, and I know we're going to late in here, but the reason I bring this up is, I mean, theoretically you could be spending two to $3,000 between your list pull and the, the marketing that you're putting behind it to get the flyers out and the stamps and the postage and the, the man hours, right? Am I wrong? So the man hours and the energy. So I have a analyst on our team that it, we extract. You have a historian on your team too? Uh, you know, I, we don't. Is that you? Yeah. Are, are you the we historian? Wanna, we want to add, add the label. I guess I'll take it. <laughs> uh, we have. I have a guy that I, I, I will, I will give him the criteria, and to ensure that he's not making errors, I'll, I'll watch him pull the spreadsheet, and I'll even sometimes do it with him. And then he already has the order of operations of the data that he needs, and he where we source it from. So. But, he does that, you know, I, I, I ha- and then we, so our, 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 I guess what I'm saying is our marketing dollars expensed on solicitation is very low. I'm not paying my dad hourly to hit the phones. Um, you know, our analyst is actually, he's, he's depends on the market if he's licensed or not, but he could be compensated hourly or, or he's not because he's actually going to be vetted into a deal. Uh, where my time is value. In fact, f- time is compensation, right? Like you, your time, like my time is everything for me. Like being with my kids, have my weekends free. I mentioned all this stuff why I'm not doing residential real estate anymore. Uh, I'm not afraid. I don't feel like you, you sell more properties and you be, you have more experience and you just totally mitigate against the burn of time for deals that are never going to happen. Like you're, it's going to happen, but the more you vet the buyer and the buyer is serious and you like literally know their position, like you have a good feeling of their position and they're, and you have a track record with them and they trust you, you're going to find sellers. You're going to line up property for them to consider. 
I mean, I, I, I and the, can't, the I conversion rate's very high. Like I have guys, I'll pitch properties to them, and they're literally offering on 60%, 70% of Well, I tell you what, you, you kind of blew my mind today, and you got my mind swirling just with the fact that you say that you take a client on, and then you create search engines. I mean, we do that for traditional, but when it comes to investments, yeah, we just look at Crexy and what's going out there. But you don't – it's not normal in, in this, and it, and it should be. But it's not normal to go out there and put a marketing plan behind what a specific client is is seeking. And I love the fact you're doing that. And that's probably a testament to why you're so successful with what you do. Bless, you know, put in the time. But also, you know, like 1031 pressure too. If we manage a property, we're selling a property with 1031 pressure to get it done. That's a that's a huge driver for what we're doing as well. I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, Agreed. so if I, if I sell a property for a guy, he's like, listen, are you going to find me 1031? I'm like, yes. Let's do it. Uh, but but it, it can be challenging. I, well, I, I see this. I see why you're successful, though. I mean, right there was my aha moment in this podcast. One thing I just wanted to highlight what is you, that... What are you doing after this? <laughs> <laughs> you just go ahead. I, mean, I, I got... I, I, hey, I, come by the office. There's a, I got is a, there a vacant <laughs> unit here? You guys can just... I got to grow out in. I have a cigar <laughs> happening at 3 o'clock. Oh, I mean, no, me, as, me as well. Yeah. You can come. One, one final thought on the marketing topic so it sounds like you're doing an investment in targeted marketing on behalf of a client for the purpose of finding them a deal but let's say that doesn't happen you still own that data and you own that lead that you're getting in or leads that you're getting in as a result of the marketing so you could then take that lead or leads and bring them to another buyer that may have exactly the same wants or similar and run that by them so it's not like it's throwing money. I just wanted to highlight that because, and I know that's not what exactly what you meant, Ted. But no, we're in the same page. Yeah, it's it's not like you're going out and saying, "Oh, hey, Joe Buyer, who I think is a good dude or gal," and I'm going to spend you know three grand on putting a list together and doing direct mail and making a whole bunch of phone calls and burning man hours. You're saying I'm in, I'm willing to invest the data because I think that makes sense for this business model, but also probably other clients of mine. Is that true? Uh, yes. I mean, like very true. And at a minimum, we're acquiring a relationship and we're, we're making a connection. And depending on the arrangement, the term stipulated, an email, an agreement or the confidentiality agreement could really be the precept of like who, who you're able to share it with. Because remember, we're not really like pursuing like exclusive listening agreements. We're kind of like almost on a kind of one or three party basis. And we're okay with that way because we're not going to go try to like start a relationship with just some investor like when it's going to like they're probably not going to consider it just because they don't tr they don't they don't know and understand how much attention you've already given to the underwriting and even if they they looked at your underwriting they're not going to care cuz they have internal underwriting and people that they pay on salary to do what you're going to do so we we're really doing uh, yeah we're doing we're doing the analysis and projections and we're we're we already have these relationship with guys that have actually they've they've done business with us so it's kind of like it's it's a nice little beautiful thing it's good um yeah, and I, I sometimes we just literally come across a property and we get really excited and like it doesn't work out, and then sometimes that buyer comes back to the table and the seller's willing to sell at the same price or a lower price, or sometimes it comes. Sounds familiar. Yeah, we've had one of those. Yeah, or, or or they actually reach out to you and they literally are like, we have another buyer that's interested, and we we don't really feel comfortable doing this ourselves. Like, would you consider a seller rep and doing the paperwork and working with our CFO? And we're like, I guess. 
I want to I want to highlight one thing before we uh, get into our final segment here. So uh, early on in yours and my relationship, Stephen, you we had talked about a twelve plex that I owned in South Omaha and Forty Eighth and Harrison, and this was kind of at the time the crown jewel of what I owned. So I had bought it originally for five hundred thirty five thousand dollars, so about forty seven grand a door. Okay, and I had remodeled, I believe either 10 or 11 out of the 12 units. And I did full LVP, new doors, new bathroom, kitchen, like the whole nine. And had juiced the rents and repositioned it to a point where it was kind of a cash flow monster. But I had probably put roughly about $200,000 of CapEx into it. Bought it for five thirty-five, And probably by the time it was done, I let's say I had seven fifty into it. So, but I was perfectly happy owning that thing for a long time. Like I could see owning that till I retired and it was making great money. It was easy to rent. Uh, the neighborhood really embraced it. And you came along and said, Hey, uh, you know, I've got some buyers from out of town. I've got some like California dudes and like, you know, people from Colorado and they need 10, they have 1031 deals from time to time. Would you entertain selling this? And I was like, yeah, but you know, sharpen your pencil. I was like, I was kind of like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, good. Like, cause I've had these, those phone calls before. Right. So people are like, oh yeah, I've got really strong buyers and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'll get calls from commercial brokers and they'll, they'll talk the world and then I won't see anything or they'll have like just vapor paper. Right. People will come in and be like, oh, here's a, here's a great offer. And then they want to retrade on it. Meaning they want to renegotiate after whatever happens. Yeah. And then you come along and you say, what was, what's your number? What is your, I don't like, I don't want to take your offer number, but if you offer this, I will accept it. And I said a million dollars. Okay. Yep. You remember this? Yep. So I said a million dollars is what I want for this 12 plex. And this is, you know, like what, three, three years ago, probably. I want a million dollars too for this place. Yeah. So I'm like, there is no, there is zero chance that I will sell this for a million dollars. Or so comps. I, yeah. So I'm like, per perfectly fine just throwing that out there because that's my number. Like, here's my I don't want to sell it number. It's a million bucks. And guess what? Stephen Ward comes along with a million-dollar buyer that bought it. Wow. And so I had a – what I mean, I had a shitload of cash at the time that I think out of that deal, I ended up 1031-ing into something else, I believe. I could be wrong on that. But uh, I was like – Wow. I mean, for me, that was the proof in your pro forma. So you said, I have these. And I was like, yeah, I doubt it. Let's see what you got. Never expecting anything out of it. And you came along and did it. And that so that was very impressive to me that you followed up with what you said you might be able to do because I hadn't seen that proof from any of, anyone else. And that led to where we are now, which is you're managing, you know, what, 60 units-ish of like collectively uh, my properties and, you know, partnership properties yeah. and so forth. Um, yeah. So like I, you do what you say you're going to do. And that's pretty impressive because not a lot of people do that. And you've leveraged that into if I, Owen, if I bring you a deal and it, uh, and it fits everything that you're looking for, can I manage it? And I'm like, of course, if you bring an awesome deal to me, of course I'm going to let you manage it. And then here's what you always do that I really like. You say, here's the as-is uh, financials on this. So here's what the property is performing at current state. And then you give a pro forma. And at first, when I got your pro formas, I was like, these 
I, I was trying to everything I could do to poke holes in it. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, you're okay. You're going to get there, right? I believe it. And then guess what? You know, a couple years later, they're there. They're right where you say they're going to be. So it's been cool to see the evolution of a pro forma actually being what it says it's going to be. So it's kind of the make-believe turns true. You know, it's like the never-ending story and you're reading it. Right, you should so, just actually make that a commercial right there. So that that's and, pretty cool, and, and put that in your referral list from this point on. Like you need to hit download up for the section of video, and and just send it out from this point on because you you just got the best re- uh, review you could ever have. No, I really period. appreciate it. I really appreciate it. I mean, that was outstanding. Uh, I, I, could, could I first say just thank you, and could I first remind? Could I also remind you of like two things? Uh, first thing being, do you remember? There was the option whether we were going to do a new roof or we were going to wait for a claim. Uh-huh. I told the investor the likelihood going off of like the last 10 years of you getting a claim money on this roof is like within the first two years of ownership is, is probably greater than 60%. Like I'll make it happen. You know, it's, it, it's got a new roof from a claim, right? Um, the uh, I mean this absolutely sincerely. If this gentleman oh, – I'll, I'll share the podcast with him. He's ecstatic how that thing's performing. I, I I will say this. I have seller's regret at times about that property because it was my <laughs> it was my baby, man. Like I put a lot I put a lot of effort and work into that and turning that little area around and like I, I love it. I, I still love it. I'm I I'm completely fine with selling it for a million bucks, but I look back on it now and be like, man. Would you, would I, what if buy, I still own that? Would you buy it back for 1.2 right now? No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> not a chance in hell. Uh, to, 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 be, to be honest with you. Steve that, is like sharpening his pencil. Like, ooh, I'm not going to make that happen. <laughs> that, uh, that wasn't that long ago. It was no. in like the summer of 2021. And like we've we've developed quite a bit. Oh, was it that short time ago? Okay, yeah. I think right. so, yeah. Maybe it was like spring. Um, and uh, since that time, uh, like I'll just tell you, the first six months were a little stressful because I remember telling the investor, I was like, man, they've just maxed out the rents here. Like they, the rubs are just up the gills. Like when I told him before he acquired it that like we were actually going to be dec- like decreasing the water <laughs> charge because it was just set up. I just felt like it was kind of like, aggressive. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of seemed like possible, like class action, like <laughs> director, directory. It was huh. just, it was just, it was like, it's no, was it? know how no, sorry, no, 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 it's no, no, sorry, it's well, I think it's, I think it's more so. Property manager invests two hundred grand in two years and has to show up, and you know, water charges and trash fees are just, they were just exorbitant. You know, it's not, not like a huge deal, but it was, it's, it's, I've come across this before, but we had to downshift those, which is kind of like what you don't do if you're trying to like have a nice gross asking price with knowing that your rubs are kind of higher. So we took them from 110 to 80 uh, total. And uh, the first six months were challenging because we had to adjust to pretty much class B marketing, like B plus marketing for a class C property with renovated units with no, no laundry units, no balconies, none of that. And, uh, it came, became really clear that it, it, the rents really were – the gross rents were higher. And and this was going to require more attention than I probably would have expected. So um, – but once we got it under control, like with like knowing the demographic, the marketing, like knowing what it was going to take, we were we – were, we, like we were killing it. Like our, I, I sw- our economic vacancy for 2022, I would forecast it at like 98%. Economic occupancy economic vacancy is probably two percent like we will literally we will have people move out on uh november 4th and we will have someone lined up to move in on like the 10th you know 
I mean, I, I would buy that. I would buy that back maybe for like, you know, 700. So just <laughs> whatever, work your magic. Oh man. He's just, uh, that guy's just, that's a, that's a red ladder price. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, well, great stuff, man. Uh, I think in our last section, our baby, we're almost out of time. Let's get into the OT with Owen and Ted. We cover the same questions each week with, uh, with all of our guests and we want to hear what you have to say about these. Are you ready for them? Of course. Okay. The first question, what will your first book be titled or about? Uh, the ever-changing landscape of decisions. And it'll be about um, basically growing. By, by Stephen Ward, the historian. Yes. yes. <laughs> it'll, it'll be based off of how, you know, your daughters change you and your wife's usually right. And, you know, you should make generally good decisions to, uh, you know, do be a good service to others. Okay. So the evolution of decisions and the impact they make on your life. Yeah, that'd be good. That's good. You know, when little Stephen Ward was just a little wee wee, what did he, what was the first thing that he wanted to be when he grew up? Uh, gosh, you know, uh, man, that's, this is tough. Uh, like I think it's more likely that I was like aspiring to be something like a like a soldier, firefighter, you know, policeman. Probably, probably <laughs> actually, probably actually like more like GI Joe or something. GI Joe, yeah, yeah, most soldier, likely, most likely. Okay, <laughs> depend depend on freedom. Just a little wee wee. <laughs> All right, here's a deep question for you. We are at your funeral. We meaning like me and Ted. You're there. You're obviously there, uh, but in the casket. Yeah, behind closed doors. <laughs> we are at your funeral. Hopefully, open casket though. Who is going to give your eulogy, and what do you hope they will say about you? You know, it's just a tough one, but I, I would I would think that you know it would be if I have a son. I have two girls now. I'm, we're gonna have more kids. I've got to allow it. Uh, it'll it'll probably be like a family member. Um, I, I would think someone I probably outlived. You know, uh, and I, I, I would. Well, it won't be somebody you outlive. Someone that outlived me. Sorry. There you go. Yeah, good call. Uh, that's <laughs> small error. <laughs> the, uh, the, I, I think uh, it's not as much like a matter of hope what they'll say, but I think like what they will say is that, uh, you know, I, I was selfless and honest. Probably those two things. Okay. Awesome. Good character. What would um, okay? So we are a year from now, and I am in dire need of somebody on this podcast. I'm I'm reaching out to you. I'm like, buddy, let's get you back on the podcast. What is going to be the thing that changed in your life from from this point on to a year from now? Where are you going to be? It's a great question. Uh, I would say. Um, I just naturally like my mind just goes straight to, uh, you know, my, my wife, like probably two two more kids, probably probably being pregnant or we're like (laughs) imminent for delivery. Uh, that's comes to my mind right away, which I maybe isn't the answer you're looking for. Uh, sure it is. It's part of it. And I would, I would also, uh, think that like, uh, you know, what countries maybe we traveled during that time. What about your business portfolio? Uh, business portfolio, I, I believe that, uh, with the increase in sales, um, you know, our equitable position and property will increase naturally just because we're 
um, you know, we, we, there's a lot of, I feel like we provide value as a broker, you know, on the broker side of our division and, you know, sales, but we are, we just spread the nets to so many different more markets and there's just, there's hundreds of thousands more parcels than where we were a year and a half ago. So naturally I think we're going to be doing more sales and, uh, you know, I'm going to be probably hiring more personnel that are like kind of more management executive positions. So you said a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's, I, I think, I think I'm going to need more assistance. All right. Well, that dovetails nicely. Especially if you have more kids, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That dovetails nicely into my next question, which is where are you looking for in your business or your life right now? And how can someone listening to this potentially assist and how can they reach you? Uh, yeah, I'd say at the moment, uh, you know, we're looking for, uh, you know, properties to help potentially stabilize on a third party management position locally, like I'd say like 30 mile radius of, you know, central Omaha or maybe, maybe 40 miles. Uh, so, so we're just, just to clarify, you're looking for some properties that are maybe they need some love, right? So you're looking for TLC, maybe owners that have properties that are, you know, let's say needing a refresh. Yeah. I'd say less, Is that di- what you mean? I'd say like less disarray and less uh, like problematic or historically not the best maybe locations for occupancy or something of that or turnover or something of that nature, but more so like coming in and basically instilling integrity and, and, uh, and really providing assistance, even in the short term to, you know, maybe a year that's maybe not as beneficial for us, but it's for the long-term gain and, and, and protection of maybe the equitable position for that investor. So, so restabilization and really putting that position there. So, you know, I think, I think that's, I think that's going to be a, an opportunity for, you know, guys will, will need or operators will need. And then that's, you know, that's property management. So we're, we're looking to, to grow the portfolio, you know, the properties we manage and then from sales, uh, you know, regional, also state of Florida. Uh, so most Midwestern regional states, I mean, I can acquire real estate broker license, you know, like in a couple of weeks, it's not difficult. We currently are licensed, I think in eight States, maybe six are active licenses. And we, uh, we just are, we're trying to find property. Um, so we have a, we have a need for basically industrial multifamily options. We, we have them, we, we are selling them, but like, we, I, I want to increase the options that we have. And then, um, we're absolutely, um, you know, looking to take on buying assignments for, for new prospective investors. Um, we were happy to provide references, guidance, um, especially if like, you know, there's, there's a, there's a decent amount of, uh, money to work with, you know, down payment deposits, you know, put money to work in real estate. We, uh, we're prepared to work with new operators, like n- people that are generally newer to the investment scene that are, that are coming out of some other asset or, or, or want to start looking at real estate pretty seriously. Commercial rookies. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, that's, that, that doesn't go for just like all property sizes. It's, it's like, they're, they'd have to be pretty interested in, I like, think like, you know, we're probably looking at, you know, 24 units plus and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's gotta obviously like be beneficial for both and that's locally and regionally. Okay, so you mentioned this book that you're, you're going to write, and it sounds like from this two-and-a-half-hour interview that you have lots of chapters that are going to be in your book. So what mentors in your life would you give shout-outs to to these different chapters that have gotten to the end here? Yeah, so I I, I would say, uh, you know, my creator, you know, like my the God, you know, the Lord. Um, I would say uh, my dad, 
you know, my dad hasn't been like a tremendous like mentor, but his actions, behavior, and character, I've watched as a youngster. It's influential for you. Yeah, I watched yeah. today and the way he's handled, um, you know, disruptions or, or maybe even just challenges with marriage and stuff. I, I've, I've, I've really appreciated those. Have really changed my perspective and it helped me just like understand kind of what to do. And um, so my dad, uh, I, I would give fair shout outs to. Uh, you know, like, like, you know, Mike Pettit, gentleman that brought me into the real estate business. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's influential and just kind of helped me communicate with, uh, investors. I, I would give a shout out to, um, uh, Brandon Robin. He's, he's a former real estate agent in Omaha Metro. He lives in, the, I can't remember which city in Arizona, or which Metro it is, but he's a, he's a real estate agent. He, he kind of, you know, helped me along in the fitness industry, sales tactics. He, he gave me a job. I mean, it's, 2010, it was kind of hard. The to fundamentals. Yep. yep. And uh, gosh, you asked a question that I have answer, uh, a list for. So here we go. John Nano, gentleman that, uh, you know, brought me to uh, just understand that, you know, life is is more about than just living for yourself. It's about living for others. It's about, um, like you know, being faithful and, you know, not just satisfying the flesh or like your will and just desires that kind of don't really end well or don't really benefit others. Um, so doing things that are good for others. Um, and then, uh, I would say, uh, in the short, like kind of more recent five years, um, our investors, like uh, um, the investors I've worked with have been tremendous and just giving me opportunities and chances that I'm just like forever thankful for. So, uh, you know, those names would be like John Nano, Ira Lewis, um, you know, uh, Mehmet Carlton, Owen Dashner, Chris Palmer, and Colin Schwartz. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, there's some gentlemen at a uh, venture capitalist kind of like industrial type firm that we're pretty ecstatic about, but there's too many names to list. And, um, but AIC Ventures out of Austin, Texas. So, uh, and then my, my wife is tremendous and uh, kind of, you know, just just therapeutical, like uh, partner in prayer, partner in raising kids. Um, you know, she just, she just like really, she takes on my pressures and she, she's a, she's a huge partner in our business just because of her counsel and her listening. And, you know, sometimes she makes me drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, uh, one thing I do appreciate is the fact that you didn't write any of those down. These were all top ahead. I mean, the, so it, which just shows, you know, the, the value those people had to you. Of course. And it, came, it really came full circle. The last, the first relationship and the last relationship are extremely interconnected. So, Stephen Ward, the content you provide us is amazing. I mean, I think that the listeners getting this are going to see tremendous value. Uh, I mean, true Rio Radio fashion that we just kind of let the story go where it needs to go, and <laughs> and it is what it is, right? So um, thank you so much. I appreciate the content that you provide to the people listening because I know that they see value in you. So I appreciate that very much. And with that, I want to thank you guys as listening. If this is your first time or 68th time, please give us a review on your favorite format. And if you're listening to us on uh, Spotify or Apple, please give us a written review if possible. 
Uh, those do definitely help us get us out and subscribe and like. And I do want to read a review that we do have from this is uh, Mama Mist. She says, a real estate must listen five-star review on Apple. A great resource for, for any current or potential investors and anyone associated with the investment world. The competent duel between Owen and Ted provide a great balance of knowledge and entertainment. I must be the entertainment. You must be the knowledge. I think oh, there. But the production value is amazing and makes this a must listen for any podcast listener. Aw. Thank you, Mama Miss. Mama Miss. <laughs> with that, Owen, you want to see us out of here? On behalf of Rhea Radio, Dennis Bertrand, and Ted Kosh, I'm Owen Dashner. You've been listening to Stephen, the Lyft Driver Recruiter Ward, signing off. <laughs> Perfect. All right, with no further delay, let's bring back Stephen Ward for part two of our blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs>